Over the last few weeks, uh, we've been looking at Christian men or Christian, one Christian man or one Christ, Christian woman who have inspired people by their example, uh, who have lived in previous ages. And we've also uh, been looking a little bit at the life of St. Paul and reading his conversion story in Acts 9. And we've just looked now in the reading that Mary read to us about some of the last parts of Paul's missionary journeys because we've also been talking about the life's journey of these people of Hildegard of Bingham and of John Bunyan of their encounter with the risen Christ and the way that the spirit has had inspired them and continues to inspire us through their lives in the way that they spoke about their relationship with Jesus Christ. And it inspires us long after they died. Which made me think, how would you like to be remembered after your death? Would you like to have the last laugh like uh, Spike Milligan, who apparently has the epitaph, I told you I was ill? Um, Or would you like um, something a little more profound? What would you like people to say about you and about the life that you've led? Well, here's what people said about the person we're going to look at today. They said, we've met with a crushing loss. To know him was to love him and those who knew him longest loved him most. He was the genuine apostle of the type of St. Paul. He was emphatically one who has hazarded his life in the service of the Lord Jesus. His gentleness, his sympathy, the transparent sincerity of his life and the domination of his will over his aging body present an outstanding example of the grace of God in a chosen vessel. Well, we shall look at some of the details of that epitaph, uh, incidentally given at a rather dry and dusty committee meeting, not at a grand funeral, uh, which I think indicates just how much this person was missed. But that outstanding example of the grace of God is something that I think we might all aim for. Today, we're looking at the life of a missionary who studied the journeys of St. Paul, like the one we've read, and who modelled his life on the travelling and the teaching and the preaching of St. Paul. This person was convinced of the love and protection of Jesus Christ, and more than anything else, he desired to share that with other people so that they too might know Jesus. He wasn't a writer like Hildegard or Bunyan, although he did keep a diary. And he's largely known through the relationships which he formed and which have been recorded by others. His name is Apollo Kivubulaya. Anyone know the name? I'm glad Becky's nodding (laughs) because I've talked to her about Apollo before. He's maybe not very familiar to us, but if you were to go to Uganda, 
you would find churches and schools named after him. And he is recognised as the founder of the Anglican Church in Congo, with which we have a close connection and for which we raised money uh, during Lent this year. And if you were to visit the church in Congo, you would most likely be taken to the grave of Apollo in Boga. And the Archbishop of Canterbury did that just this last month in June. And you'll be told that Apollo refused the advice of his doctors in his last weeks and returned to Boga to die. He was in what is now Kampala, and he made the journey of some several hundred miles in what was then a, a very swampy road, and he went all the way to a place called, what is called Fort Portal in Toro, and then from there he went down the steep escarpment, this time by foot. He had been taken in a car as far as Port, Port Portal. He went down, and then he went across the very, very hot Semaliki Plain, and he crossed the river, and then he went up the other side of this very, very steep escarpment till he got to Boga. And a few days later, amongst the people for whom uh, he had worked for many years, he died. And he had one dying wish. His dying wish that, that he should be buried in a particular way, a way that was different, the contrary to the way that uh, Ganda people are normally buried. He said, I don't want my head pointing towards home. I want my head pointing in the opposite direction, towards the west and towards the forest uh, and the peoples of the forest. And Anglican Christians in Congo today are extremely proud of Apollo Kivabulaya, their founder. And they're inspired by his life and by this story of his death to tell others about Jesus and to spread their church throughout the country. So a little bit of background to Apollo. He was born probably around 1865 in, a, in the strong and proud kingdom of the Baganda. Now this kingdom was very influential in the whole region of what's now Uganda. Its leaders were keen to learn of innovations and to welcome visitors to court. The Baganda traded with the Arabs from the east coast and they learned about Islam and literacy from them. And H.M. Stanley on his way to find Livingstone, if you know that story, visited the king and his court and suggested that British missionaries should come and work in Baganda, and, and that suggestion was accepted. The Baganda were interested to learn about the novelties of, of Christianity, of Western medicine, of education, of advances in technology, and of different systems of governing. Some became Christians, and some wished to reform their way of ruling. And there developed over some time a conflict between those who wished to maintain, broadly speaking, their old ways of life and those who wished to uh, take on some of these innovations and to change and reform their way of life. And the country was precipitated into a series of wars. As a young man, Apollo fought on several sides of these wars, but by 1894, he had decided that he wanted to learn to read for Christian baptism and enrolled himself into the classes. 
The following year, he was baptized and offered himself as a church leader. And then he went to preach in the neighboring kingdom of Toro, this place that I described earlier. And he preached the gospel to the Nyoro, the Konjo, and the Wamba. And then he journeyed into what is now eastern Congo, preaching and establishing churches amongst the Hema, the Giti, Mbuti Pygmies, and so on. He was later ordained as a priest, but he worked in these areas until he died in 1933. And here's a picture of um, Apollo uh, wearing the jacket with the long white kanzu, which is traditional Ugandan dress, um, among a group of forest peoples, probably pygmies. I don't know a great deal about this picture particularly, but it seems as if you can see right in the background the the very um, simple uh, huts of the pygmies. That's um, because they move around the forest. They need houses they can build very, very rapidly. And you can see them in the background. And here they are in groups um, learning uh, to read and learning some of the stories of the Bible. And what's extraordinary about these, uh, this picture is that, that Westerners and even the Baganda at this time look down on the Mbuti pygmies as uncivilised, as people who were simply hunter-gatherers who hadn't learned to cultivate and hadn't learned um, to um, raise cattle. But Apollo saw them very, very differently. He spent time learning uh, their stories and their history, and he was very impressed by their spirituality. He understood that they already knew God, the creator who had made the forest and who had made all the good things of the forest um, by which they lived, and that they had similar creation stories to the one that he knew uh, in Genesis. But he very much wanted to introduce them to the person of Jesus Christ. And this is the sort of thing that Apollo did throughout his life. And these people... And the places that he visited and the preaching are mentioned repetitively in his own accounts of his activities. And I've just got a little uh, excerpt here of his diary and his, his own uh, kind of area of his missionary journeys. Um, you see Mboga written up there in the sort of top centre and Cabaroli in Toro. And he, he says, I went with Lembeni Kakonge, Yunia, Basamasi, Udesi, Maria and Josephina. I spent the night at Bubuge at Denisi and Juliana's home. Kalonge preached them about God and there were 50 of them in the church. The next day I reached Bugulo. Bulingi was not at his home so I waited for him. The next day I set on my, on my journey. I reached Bunyogwa. I held prayers in the church with them. I reached Kamachi and we had prayers in the church and I preached God to them. From there, I spent the night at Bukima. There were 26. I sat amongst them in the church, and on Sunday, I preached. I reached Bundingiri. I held, church, I held prayers with them in the church. I set on another journey to Bule to baptize. I baptized four of the forest people. I preached to them about God. And these are the sort of simple things that he records in his diary. But these accounts resonate with the movement of Paul in Acts, travelling with a team, meeting people, renewing acquaintances, preaching publicly. And these people that he mentions at the top are young people who 
have already learned about Jesus Christ from Apollo and are keen to help him as he uh, moves around and to learn from him as he visits different places. And I met Basimasi, who's mentioned up there, when she was very elderly, in her 90s. And uh, she, uh, I talked with her, with her daughter present and a, very no- a number of other people, and she was a very strong and quite feisty matriarch. And she'd been taught to read and write by Apollo, as well as learning from him on some of his missionary journeys. She'd also become a church teacher herself for a number of years. And she spoke so warmly all those years later of Apollo's care and concern for her and her family. Her parents were amongst the first people to be baptised shortly before she was born, and it had clearly transformed their lives. Another thing that she mentioned was Apollo's healing prayers, and certainly that's one of the many stories you'll hear about Apollo if you were to ask people in Bogo about him. Prayers for those people who felt unwell, for the children who uh, learnt at his school, and he just, it, it, the school that was in his own house, and he'd simply say, go and lie on the bed. And they'd lie there and sleep, and when they wake up, they'd feel much better. But also prayers for those people who'd been given up as dead. And here again, we think of the story we just read about Paul in Acts. There's one famous story that many people tell of a small boy who had um, slipped away and whose parents were ready to mourn his loss and to bury him. And Apollo came to the house and prayed with him. And he revived and grew strong and well again and grew up to be the first Archbishop of Congo. People saw in Apollo a great sense of holiness, a great warmth, a great spirituality. A British missionary who became a great friend of Apollo and wrote books about him journeyed with him towards the end of his life and was amazed at Apollo's commitment to people living in isolated places. He describes the great welcome they received in the most out-of-the-way places, how villagers were delighted to see Apollo and how he took great pleasure in being with them again. But Apollo's diary also suggests that he'd not always felt so confident, so faithful, or so well disposed to those people amongst whom he worked. He had been worried about his work of preaching. He'd been anxious that people would not, be, would not listen and, or would be hostile, and, and indeed some of them were. He was afraid that he would not have the means to support himself. What changed his attitude was an encounter with Jesus in a dream early in his ministry. It changed him totally. And he testifies to this change in his diary at that point and in a couple of incidents later. One time he was falsely accused of someone's death. Someone fell on a, fell on a spear and they thought that, that he was the, the cause of that. And he was in, put in prison And this is how he wrote about it. When this one fell upon the spear, sorrows heaped upon me. They brought spears to stab me, saying, you have stabbed him. I then remembered that God is my helper, 
I will fear no evil. God strengthened me and I did not get weak in our Lord's work. But God helped those who believe in him, for I believed and he rescued me. And he hears the prayers of his people. As the Baganda say, seek advice from the one who has gone through the same thing. I too was caught and put in chains, but because of prayer they let me go. My God helped me greatly and my enemies could not overcome me. And you can hear in that resonances from the Bible, which he knew so well, and also resonances from the wisdom of his own Baganda culture. Seek help from the one who's been through that, who's been through suffering before. Who is that but Jesus Christ? And this experience and the wars in which he fought as a young man remained with him for a long time, And afterwards, he would preach what it says here. It's God who saved us, and therefore we know that God saves without spears or guns. And he often would encourage people to learn to read, saying, the books are our spears. And so we see that his life had been turned around, and that he saw in his relationship with Jesus Christ a protector and a saviour. Now, I've kind of described a, a paragon of, of Christian virtue, and that's certainly how he, w- how he was seen at the end of his life and how he has continued to be regarded in Uganda and Congo. But at the beginning of his work, very, very little was expected of him. He appeared very ordinary and unassuming, Unlike many of the Baganda people who worked as church leaders, he was not a member of a particularly important family. He was not particularly articulate or well-educated. And people wondered whether he would actually make a good teacher and a good priest. But he is remembered for his faith in Jesus Christ and for his faithfulness to the task he believed God had given him. He showed forth God's love in his warmth and his friendliness to all, and in his care for their health and well-being. His lack of heirs enabled him to come alongside those who had different customs from his own, and to perceive the goodness in them. So his life is not simply an example for our brothers and sisters in Uganda and Congo, but because he's an outstanding example of the grace of God, he's someone whose journey with Jesus Christ is an example to us all. But I'd like to close with a prayer from Congo in Swahili, which is said on the 30th of May, which is the anniversary of his death, Um, every year in the service. And I'd like us to say it in Swahili. So those Swahili speakers amongst us, um, please help us uh, to get this right. We'll take it quite slowly, but you'll be able to see the English translation underneath. Okay, let's pray. Mungu Munyezi, uliye tukuzwa katika wakatifu wako. Na ulimuita mutumishi wako Apollo Kivubulaya. Kuunga 
kamanuru duniani na kwa muhubiri wa habari njema yako nuru yako inangazi mioyo yetu ile maisha yetu yakutangaze mbele ya watu kwa Yesu Kristo bwana wetu amina <laughs>